Joshua Pitt Selection Committee, I indeed thank you for this opportunity to stand before the congregation uh, on this final time before the vote. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity of selecting me to be one of the finalists. Uh, I don't take that for granted either. I thank God for you. Uh, to the pastor emeritus of this church, Pastor Charles Twyman, and who I'm truly indebted to, uh, for all that he's taught me, all that I've learned up underneath his administration, his tutelage. Uh, words cannot express uh, how much I owe to him. So, Pastor, thank you so much for what you've done. Uh, to Reverend Shoemate, who has done a very efficient and excellent job as the moderator for our worship service. We thank you for the job in which you're doing. Uh, we encourage you. Uh, in what God has called you to do. To Pastor Easter. Yes. Pastor Easter is my homeboy. He works, uh, he works with me in the ministry at Westside Ministers Alliance uh, and has been perhaps my biggest cheerleader uh, in the Alliance. Uh, Pastor Easter and I are from the same hometown down in Natchez, Mississippi. Or, or as, or, 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 <laughs> I ain't gonna mess with you today. <laughs> but I thank God for you, Pastor Easter. I thank you for, for, uh, for being here um, to support as well. There is a word from the Lord. Um, this, this word uh, from the Lord has come, uh, uh, you know, God had pressed upon my heart to explain to you this morning how I got to this point. I think that you need to understand that. You need to understand that God has a plan for my life. And just like God has a plan for my life, he has a plan for your life. God has already mapped out some things that we're going to do in this life that he's given us. It's our purpose, it's our job to find out what that plan is and to move according to that plan. So if you would, if you open up your Bibles uh, to the book of Acts, the 16th chapter. Acts, the 16th chapter. We'll begin our reading at verse number one. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jewish, the Jews which were in those quarters. And they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered uh, them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in numbers daily. Now when they had gone unto 
Phrygia and the regions of Gal Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And after they were come to Mysiah and came to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passed by Mysiah and came to Torres. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assured gathering that the Lord had called us for the preach the gospel unto them. From this text, I would like to pin for this thought, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. The last time I stood before you, Macedonia, I preached a message that was, I believe, was for the church. I preached that it was a kept church. And after I preached, there was a town hall meeting. Uh, some of you uh, were not here, but there was a town hall meeting. And I was asked the question in the town hall meeting, why do you want to be the pastor of the Macedonia Baptist Church? And I gave the good godly answer and said, well, the Lord has led me to be the pastor here. God has directed me here. But after going home and thinking about it, and after listening to some of the other candidates as well give the same answer that God had led them here, I began to ask myself, did God lead all of us to the same church? And so I began to ask myself, I began to ask, God, is this really what you have for me? And this text came to mind because it came to mind because I had heard the sermon preached by another preacher. And I so identified with it that I, I, I began to own this, this text. Not necessarily the message that he preached, but the text itself, because the text itself spoke to me. I began to examine whether or not this is really what God wanted for me. Let me give you a little bit about myself. God has called me to preach. And God has placed a desire into me to pastor. But understand that when I had an idea of pastoring before these events right now, it was never here. My desire was that I would find a church, an upstart church, that I could take what I learned here underneath Pastor Twyman's tutelage and go and copycat it and, and, and make a, 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 another church or, or bring another church up to that standard. I've, I've, never, I've never envisioned myself as being the pastor here at the Macedonia Baptist Church. As a matter of fact, I've tried to go other places, but God blocked it. And we'll see it as we go through the, 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 uh, the text. But understand that God, I know that God has a plan for my life. And as I said, it's up to me to find and to understand what that plan is. And begin, then begin to move in that direction. Because in God's plan for our life, it is encapsulated by God's will for our lives. And God has a will for our lives. We need to 
understand that, 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 that God has, has orchestrated some things in our lives. And there's four areas of God's will that I want to look at this morning. The first one is God's preordained will for our lives. God has preordained some things in our lives. These, these things are not changeable. We had no say-so in the matter. God did not call us or, or, or tap us on the shoulder to get our permission when it came to these. And one of the, one of the biggest uh, uh, instances of that is the day you were born. You had no choice in that. And guess what? You have no choice in the day that you die either. It has been preordained by God. And there are just some things that God has ordained for our lives, and we can have absolutely nothing to do with it. It is strictly up to God. But then there is the providential will of God. The providential will of God is those things that God would like for you to have. It are the good, they're the good things that God wants for you. Now, on the other hand, this here is contingent upon your will and the decisions that we make. God, God has been trying to get us to a place where we can live the fullness and have the abundant life that he's called us to. But usually this one here is really kind of marred by our decisions that we make. This is, this is God's providential will. God has some great things that he has for you. Listen to what he tells Jeremiah. He says, he says, Jeremiah, he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now understand that this was written to the uh, uh, children of Israel, but we have some implications here. We, we can take something from this. That God has a plan for you. Understand that there's a better life out there for you. But it comes with us making better decisions. It comes with us seeking out God's word on the direction that he has for us to go. And that's why the Bible said that, that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God has already ordered some steps for us to take. But when we misstep, then we, we put God's providential plan at, on hold. And then God has to reorder our steps, get us back to where we need to be at. And then there's the, the prohibitive will of God. Prohibitive will of God says that there's some things that God does not want you to experience, does not want you to do. And so God has prohibited it. Everybody in here should be shouting for God's prohibitive will. Because I know sometimes you don't like when God tells you no, but there's some things that God has said no to your life that would have taken you out of here if you would have said yes or had your way. But God has blocked some things. He stopped some things. He stopped some relationships that you, should, you wanted to enter into. Yeah, I know he looked good and he was fine and he had a good paying job. But God blocked it. Because God knew that he was no good for you. God blocked that job, that promotion that you wanted. Because God knew from the big picture that eventually they would eliminate that job. 
So God will block some things. He will prohibit some things. He will stop some things that you might be able to get in God's providential will. But then God also has his permissive will. His permissive will is wrapped up into our free will. We are free to make decisions. God will not stop us from making certain decisions. And so we go through our lives and we make, we make decisions. We, it is said that we make over 30,000 decisions in one day. We make decisions. And understand, Macedonia, that you're going to have to make a decision when it comes to the pastor of the Macedonia Baptist Church. In God's permissive will, I pray that you're praying. Because that is the key to us making wise decisions, is that we pray and we search the scriptures that God might lead us in the right direction. So, so, so many times we make, we make decisions based on our emotions, on our opinions and, our, and how we feel and what we think. What understand is that God has never really been concerned about what you think when it comes to certain decisions. God, God, God has never tapped me on the shoulder and said, Terry, well, what, what do you think about this? No, 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 no. Usually God comes and tells me what he wants me to do. And then he leaves it up to me whether I do it or not. And if I don't do it, he'll get with me. You see, I, I, I've been dealt with by God far too many times. And I know what the loving wrath of God feels like. I know what it's like to be whooped by God. And so I try to make sure that my permissive, the permissive will that he gives me is used wisely. And so we see in our text, Paul has decisions to make. Why? Because God has a plan for his life. What is God's will and plan for your life? This is the question that every Christian should be asking. God, what is your will for my life? Lord, what is your plan for my What is the direction that you want me to go in? Far too many times we, 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 want, we want to be told what to do and how to do it and where to go and how to go. But God had given us 66 books that we can read and we can see what his will for our life is. But if you ask most people that are in the body of Christ, sadly they don't know what God's will is for their lives. They have not identified it. So, so, so let me help you a little bit. Understand that, that if we're going to find out what God's plan is for our life and what his will is for our life, the first thing we must do is identify our passions. What is it that God has made us passionate about? What has he put down inside of us that, 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 that's burning inside of us? Because what passion is, passion is, it, 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 is, a, it is a word that is, uh, leads to conviction. It's the driving force that gives you the unction to do what God called you to do. And understand that Paul was a very passionate man. Paul, Paul, Paul was a bad fellow. Because Paul was passionate inside and outside of Christ Jesus. 
You know that Paul, before he got saved, was persecuting the church to no end. As a matter of fact, he held the coat of those that stoned Stephen. And he had no problem with locking Christians up, having Christians murdered. But even after salvation, he got even more passionate that he might preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He realized the damage that he had done. And listen, I wish that you would understand that and realize that the damage that you did before Christ Jesus. All the folk that you wounded and that you hurt. Be just as passionate about building relationships. Building up people. Encouraging people. Loving on people. That's what we really need to be doing. But we get wrapped up in ourselves. And we're really not concerned about the will of God. We're really only concerned about what our will is. But understand, God is going to deal with that situation. Listen, don't you know that the church is a mess right now? Church does not live like, look like the first century church. We don't love like the first century church. What, 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 whatever happened to love in this church? That's the will of God in our lives. Because, because the word passion can be interchangeable with the word love. What, what happened to the love? Yeah, yeah, I know you say you love me. I know you say you love one another. Well, prove it then. I dare you to prove it. I dare you to, I dare you to get uncomfortable in love. You see, because that's what love should be. It should be uncomfortable to you. Because love is about sacrificing. Love is about giving oneself. Love is about preferring one better than you. What is your passion? Paul's passion was to preach the gospel. Like the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul loved others and had a desire that others know Jesus Christ. Listen as Paul sums up his ministry work in Acts 20, uh, 24. He said, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul said, I don't don't even consider my life to be worth anything other than what I can do for the furtherance of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the place that we need to get to, church. This is a place that all of us can get to. It's when we stop thinking about ourselves and realize that it's more about God and his people. Much in the same way, I concur with Reverend Shoemate again. I'm going to use Reverend Shoemate. When he said last week, when he sat with the pastor and was talking, and pastor told me that long before he talked to Reverend Shoemate about it, he said, he said, preacher, when you hear Reverend, you hear servant. And I, listen, I've learned just over this year what it means to be a servant. Because a servant does not beckon his own will. He does not seek his own comfort and, 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 and safety. 
but he realized that he's been called by the almighty God into service unto almighty God. And, let, and understand this, that, understand this that, that, that being a military man, if, if you were a soldier that was a coward soldier, you was a soldier that, 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 that did not show up when it was time. If you didn't show up for formation and didn't show up when you were supposed to be, they would excommunicate, they would put you out of the army. And so I need you to understand that I'm working for a well done this morning. That, that, that's what I'm working for. I'm working for a, a well done. I want to be in his will. So you need to identify your passion. Identify the thing that, you, that, that God has blessed you, that he's put deep down inside of you. Understand, as believers, everyone has been given a gift that God has given us that we're to use for his glory, that we're to use to uplift his church and his kingdom. And we need to identify what that passion and that gift is because usually your passion will be wrapped up in your gift. And as you begin to exercise your gift, the passion will drive you to exercise that gift and to demonstrate that gift. Paul's gift was, and his passion was preaching the gospel. And so after you identify our passion, we begin to initiate a plan. And that's what Paul did here. Paul had already been on one missionary journey. And Paul begins this second missionary journey with a plan. And understand that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah, I understand where Paul is coming from. Because Paul, not only was he a passionate person, but he was an ambitious man. And that's where we must draw the line at, between passion and ambition. Because sometimes when we act out of ambition, it's not necessarily what God has for us. Did you get that? There, there, there's something that I am ambitious about, but are not necessarily what God has for me. And so Paul, out of his ambition, puts together this plan. And he has this plan he begins his second missionary journey. And he begins it with taking on Timothy. Timothy was a young man that had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. And because of this, most of the people that in the town realized that, that, that Timothy had not been circumcised. Paul identified that this could be a problem with some of the Jews. You, you know, Paul said that I became all things to all men that I might win them for Christ. And so it became necessary for him to circumcise Timothy. Unbeknownst to us and to him, Timothy would become a great leader in the church at Ephesus. Paul was pulling Timothy along that he might be able to train him for future work. And understand, any time anytime you, have, you have a drive and you have a plan, you need to be preparing somebody for the next phase. And that's what Paul, that's what Paul was doing. When he pulled Timothy and he said, listen here, you sit up underneath my tutelage. And then I'm going to send you out that you may be able to pastor the churches at Ephesus. And now Paul and Silas and Timothy desire to go into Phrygia 
This is a region of Galilee. It's still in Asia Minor. And Paul has this great desire to go. But look what the text says. It said that they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost. Here's one of those prohibitive wills of God. His desire was to go into Phrygia, but God blocked it. The text does not instruct us why God blocked it. Once again, God does not need our permission to do what he's going to do. It is wrapped up in his sovereign will. But the thing that I like about this is that Paul never resisted or grieved the Holy Spirit. Paul was obedient to the Holy Spirit. So in other words, when when you begin to make your plans, then you need to understand that you need to be led by the Holy Spirit because he is the one that will give you the directions to get to where God wants you to be. Says that he stopped him. Don't know how he stopped him. But what we do know is that he was obedient to the Holy Spirit. And it seems that most, most, most men probably would have given up right then and there and said, well, God, you want me to stay exactly where I am at. But no, Paul comes back again. And it says in verse number seven, it says, after they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So once again, the Holy Spirit steps in and stops them from going into Bithynia. He stops them. He's in their tracks. And they're obedient to him. So that leads me to tell you that you need to make sure that you have a a good connection with the Holy Spirit. You need to understand that, 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 that the Holy Spirit is there to direct you and to guide you. We are not to push through what the Holy Spirit has said no to. And God here is clearly telling Paul, no, you are not to go. But Paul continues on. He continues on because he is submissive to the Holy Spirit. But here's the area that we need to understand is that in our lives, is it God's will or is it our will? Because even some Christians make this mistake of of giving God and saying that it's God's will when it's really our will. And so listen to this. This this is where the rubber meets the road with, with, with me. There are some times, brothers and sisters, that God has to speak to you in isolation. What do you mean? I mean, sometimes God has to silence everybody else. Sometimes God has to shut the mouths of other people. Sometimes God has to shut down your own thinking process. Because understand, brothers and sisters, sometimes we can outthink ourselves. And so God has to sometimes get you all by yourself. Get you on an island. Whereas you're not hearing anybody else. And the only thing you're listening for is the voice of God. And understand the reason why God shuts everybody out is because God speaks in a still small voice. And sometimes you can mistake God's voice for somebody else's voice. 
But Jesus put, uh, put it this way. He said, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice. And sometimes God has to shut everybody else out that you might be able to hear his voice. Because the only way you're going to find out what God's plan for your life is that you hear from on high. That's the only way that you'll know. So the Bible declared that they went on to Torres. And God is still dealing with Paul. Because he receives a visit, a vision of a man from Macedonia. And this vision said, the man requests, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so we see that Paul immediately gets up, him and Silas and Timothy, and they go to Macedonia. Now what's the difference here? When he wanted to go to Bithynia, the Holy Spirit blocked it. God blocked it. He stopped it. We don't know how he stopped it, but he did. But here we see he goes into Macedonia and he concluded that because God did not stop him from going into Macedonia, that this must have been the will of God. Listen here, let me, let, let me say this, let me say this to you. God's no will always be louder than his yes. God will tell you instinctively, no, this is not for you. In the book of Revelations, it talks about that God will close doors that no man can open. And he'll open doors that no man can close. And Paul sees this right here in this text. Two times God had shut the door in his face. And he was obedient. But God opens this door to Macedonia. And Paul goes in. And let me tell you the significance of that. Paul goes in and he takes the gospel to Europe. Paul establishes churches in Europe. And Europe would further spread it and ultimately bring it here to the United States. One of the primary reasons why we have the gospel is because Paul obeyed the Holy Spirit, and went into Macedonia like God told him to. So let me, let, me, let me tell you how this applies to me. Can I tell you my story for a minute? 2016, 2017, I got word at the Westside Ministers Alliance that there was a church that was opening up in Pontiac, St. James Missionary Baptist Church. I was encouraged by the interim pastor at that time at that church to put my resume in. And so after conferring with Pastor Twyman and getting his blessing, I submitted my resume. I went in and I preached. I tried to preach like there was no tomorrow. I showed and I demonstrated the love and the, the passion that I had for them. I had even begun to make plans of some of the things that I would do there. I'd already begin to implement some of the things that Macedonia had taught me that we would bring there. 
from all accounts of the interim pastor, I was the front runner. But God said otherwise. Came down to two, me and another fellow. And the church voted for this other guy. And I have to tell you, there was a great disappointment that came over me. It's not that I wanted to leave you, Macedonia. But understand that every now and again, a bird wants to stretch its wings and fly. And that's all I wanted to do. I, I, wanted, I wanted to serve in a greater capacity. I, I, I wanted to just be a blessing to people because God has given me such a deep love for people. That, that, that's all I wanted to do. God will close doors that no man can open. He'll open doors that no man can close. God shut this door. In 2019, another church became available. I applied for it. I went and I preached. I taught the Sunday school lesson. And from all accounts, all was well. But God sent a pandemic that shut everything down. And so I never heard back from this church. And in the process of time, Pastor Twyman had asked me to become the assistant pastor here at the Macedonia Baptist Church. What a great honor that I thought that was. I was honored to serve this church. I was honored to serve Pastor Twyman. This, that, 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 that was somewhat of my dream job. And so after the pandemic had eased a little bit, this church called me again, said, we want you to come and preach for us. So I told the deacon, I said, listen here, I've accepted the position here at Macedonia Baptist Church as the assistant pastor. And I just don't think it's right for me to be dating you. <laughs> With my eyes on another. And so I declined. God will close a door that no man can open, and he'll close a door that no man can close. And so I'm sitting here at this opportunity, staring me in my face. I don't know whether, well, actually, I, just, I, I didn't know how to feel. I did not know whether or not I should put my resume in. I did not know if this is exactly what I wanted. But understand that it's not what I want, but it's what God wants. And so, and so the words ring out to me, you'll never know unless you go. And so I did, I, put, I submitted my resume because I would never know whether or not this is what God has for me. Just like Paul, there was no, there was no flashing lights. 
There was nothing that told Paul to go into Macedonia. Just the simple fact of him getting up and going was God's affirmation that this was his, his call for his life. And so, Macedonia, I don't know what happened. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know where I stand. I don't know, you know, any, I, I've, never, listen, I've never campaigned for this position. But I know that God knows. And that's what I trust in. So we need to understand what is God's plan for our life. Let, let me tell you something. One of God's plans for your life, if, if you're not saved, is to get saved. Amen. It's God's will that all men might be saved. So God has a plan for you initially, and that is that you might receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Because any other plans that you make are doomed for failure. God started this plan for all of our lives over 2,000 years ago. Yes, he did. He had a plan of salvation for us. He had a plan to save us from our wickedness and our sinfulness. It's all wrapped up in his divine plan for our lives. God seen you before you were even born. He had a plan for you even before you were born because he said that before the foundation of the earth, God slew the, 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 the Lamb of God, that he crucified Christ. He shed his blood for us. Even before he created the earth, God already knew. He had a plan for us. He came down through 42 generations. Yes, he did. That was his plan. We don't serve a haphazard God. God has it already orchestrated. He's already got it planned out. Yeah. Came down here and lived amongst us. He showed us how to live the Christian life. Yeah. He showed us how to love sacrificially. Yeah. He, told, he showed us how to give unconditionally, how to love. He demonstrated that. Yes, and then he went to a cross. Listen here, not on his own accord, not because he had done anything wrong. He did it because we did everything wrong. Every last one of us are guilty of hanging Jesus Christ on that cross. It's because of what we did that he got hung up. He died for our sin. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. I'm so glad that God got a plan for my life. I'm so glad I know that God's will for my life is nothing but good. He wants the best for me. And he wants the best for you as well. But it starts with a step of salvation. It starts with a step of surrendering your life to him. Even though you are saved, there's still a level of surrender that you must give unto the Holy Ghost. And that's all God is asking you to do today. This is something that God will not force on you. It's you. It's up to you. You have the opportunity to surrender to God. To give him everything that you have. Give him your whole life, your complete life. Because if you were anything like me, my life was a wreck. Undone. I was shown up on my way to hell. But all glory to God.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So what is God's plan? It's still being worked out. Still being worked out. I don't know where this will lead. But I'm willing to follow Christ. I'm willing to stand on the promises of God. I'm willing to surrender everything that I have to God. Listen, listen. I know what it means to trust God now. I, I, I know what it is. Listen, I preached about it. I sung about it. But, but, but now I know what it means to trust God. I know what it means to go all, let, you know, let God take you all the way. Far too many times I've tried to do it. Far too many times I've blown it. But thanks be to God that he gives us a makeup. Anybody pray? Thank God for a makeup. That God gives us a do-over. Thank God for your do-overs. God, thank you for your renewing and your, your reconciling, God. Truly appreciative. Because one day I know that he's going to crack the sky. I know that he's going to call me on home. I know that he's going to rapture the church. And I know that we're going to reign with him. Yes, there'll be some troubles on this side. There'll be some persecution on this side. There's going to be some folk that just don't like you. And will come against you. But you keep on holding on. You keep on trusting God no matter what. You obey God. Because God's got us. So my will or his will. I choose his will. Stand in his will. Thank the Lord for you. And may God ever bless you on this day.